goes to Hollywood. I'm Sonny Bunch, the culture editor at The Bulwark. Uh, I'm joined today by David Guglielmo, who is a filmmaker and, and a casting director. Uh, we we worked together a bit at Cinestate uh, once upon a time, and I'm very excited to talk to him today about casting. I, and it, it, w- there, there are kind of two separate elements to this that I think are both very interesting in their own ways. And the first element I kind of want to focus on is the business of casting, because here's what I always, this is what I, one of the things I found interesting kind of working on the inside in a film studio, right? Is that it's not always who is necessarily best for a role, though that is obviously always a great concern, right? It's who can you cast in this that will appeal to distributors and theaters and, and studios and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm curious from your perspective as a casting director, how do you kind of balance that uh, that issue of, you know, here's here's a person we want for this role, here's a person we can get for this role, and here's a person who will help sell the movie in this role? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, you know, lately it's become more and more the value game uh, because there's so many independent films, there's so much content out there, and in order to cut through the noise, you really do need to have that that household name, that marquee name. Uh, and uh, the, the good part about that is that there really is no balancing, um, you know, the, uh, it's never a compromise because these people are, they're visible for a reason. They're A-listers mm-hmm. because they're great. So I'm of the opinion that if you get one of those people, uh, you're in good shape all around. Um, but yeah, the, the days of people coming to me and saying, hey, here's a fully financed film, hold auditions for all the roles and just cast whoever is the best. Those are few and far between right now, unless you're making the movie for a price point where you know that you're never going to get a name because it's, you know, a $100,000 movie. Sure. Um, but when you get into the million and above, you really do need to mitigate your risk by having someone that you know, the sales team, a lot of times, I mean, it used to be where you make a movie and then the finished film, you go out and you get a sales agent. Now people are getting sales agents um, in the development stage so they can uh, look at the sales estimates and know if it's even worth making that movie. Yeah. Can you can you just explain that a little bit? Because I, I think people don't really understand, uh, certainly in the, in the, you know, everybody understands how a Marvel movie works, right? You make the Marvel movie and then uh, it makes a billion dollars at the box office because everybody wants to go see it. But I, I think that people don't really understand how this works for smaller or even mid-budget movies in terms of pre-sales and foreign rights and that sort of thing. So could you could you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, there are many different ways to do it. And sometimes you just want to get the estimates and then you, uh, you know, if you make an awesome movie, uh, you can surpass those estimates because the qual- quality is always going to be like the key component. If you make a great movie, I think it's going to speak for itself and the cream is going to rise to the top. Even if there aren't names in it, we see movies all the time that don't really have names, but they're so good. Like The Vast mm-hmm. of Night that Amazon picked up. It was so good that they didn't care that there weren't any names in it. Um, so so that's a, a, a scenario. But if you want to play it really safe, I mean, you can always pre-sell your movie based on who's in it, who's directing it, what the genre is, right? Those are the elements. And you, you pre-sell the movie. Um, and you basically make your movie, uh, I mean, either with the domestic presale or, you know, putting together, uh, different territories and then either having a, a lender or an investor put money against that paper. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you is is there a difference now in this world of kind of streaming versus theatrical? I mean, you mentioned vast, the Vast of Night, which is uh you know a movie that it would have been hard to get into you can't open that movie on 3000 screens it would be hard to platform right it's it's not it's not kind of a traditional uh award season platforming type movie um but you put it on amazon and and you know 100 million people can see it in theory i you know who knows what the actual numbers are um so how does that how does that uh change the job of the casting director when you're when you're taking that into consideration um, I think it's the same, it's, it's the same dilemma, uh, where when there was a certain amount of movies coming out in theaters and everyone, that was the main delivery service was going to the theater and seeing the movie. Um, then, you know, your competition is kind of, you're in a smaller pool, but streaming, there's so many movies that come out and your advertising might not even you know, people might not even be aware that it's there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's when you need your name more than ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Walk me through what, walk, walk me through the process of, of getting from the kind of, you have a script uh, to you, you start casting phase. I, I'm curious, you know, I, I assume there's a lot of collaboration with producers and directors and all that. Like you're not out there saying, okay, this is, this is the star that we have. We've got to have, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, sure, sure. Matt Dillon for this movie, right? You, you know, it's you, it's you, it's you working with people. But, but walk, walk me through like what the the phases are there. Yeah, what I normally tell people if if they're coming to me, um, and let's say they're they're not a seasoned producer, you know, maybe they're making their first or second film, um, and they're coming to me. Uh, for guidance as much as they're coming to me for casting, I'll always say to them, look, if you have some equity, um, there's always a pull the trigger number, right? Where you're, 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 you feel good about the money that you're putting in um, to make this movie, no matter what, with the best possible actors out there. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can bring in someone of, of uh, more visibility and then go out and make that a bigger budget movie. So there are different tiers of uh, uh, of you know what this movie can be, and sometimes that's like four tiers. Uh, but so you take the big swing, and then if someone wow you know uh, Aaron Eckhart wants to do this movie, that's that's great. Uh, now this is like a five. This could be a five million dollar movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but then you go you start you know you 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 offered all those people maybe they pass you go down to another tier okay that's like your two million dollar tier they pass and then eventually it's like look this is my passion project i just need to make this my uncle joe gave me five hundred thousand dollars uh you know and and gotta love uncle joe and uncle joe's investing in my career so uh we're just gonna go and make it Mm -hmm. and that happens all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and and it's those movies where you then have to start you know going through headshots and, and uh, you know, walking people through auditions. Right? right. Well, I do that with all the movies because you really only have enough money above the line, you know, to, to pay one or two people these days. The, right. the, the days of, you know, we can't really stack our cast anymore in, these, in uh, the indie world. Mm-hmm. You can if you have a Netflix movie or something, but not the way, not the movies that I've been doing. So you get your two 
people, you, you two names, and then everyone else uh, I'm auditioning or or I'm sending a straight offer if they've been in a million episodes of, you know, this TV show we all know and love. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, you know, you, 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 you're making the movies for, you're still making it for a really, you need to make it for a smart price point that, that seems maybe too ambitious for a lot of people that are used to the older way of making movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, too ambitious in what way? Um, I just, I think that these movies are being made, uh, you know, there's the right way and the wrong way to do it. And you have to look at the script and you have to be like, how much is this going to cost below the line? So break it down below the line. Right, right. Uh, and if you can't explain, do ex- it, exp- explain to yeah. people what below the line means. Uh, All the production the costs, yeah, right, right. everything, okay. everyone that isn't the director, the actors, uh, those people are all above the line. And then you have your uh, everything else, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like all the money that's going to go on screen, not in, not into their salaries. Um, right. And if the movie is filled wall to wall with action and you can't make it for one or two million dollars, you know, you don't want to make a, a really terrible movie. I think I think people are getting savvy to. They start to realize now. Uh, people like my parents, you know, they're like, "Oh yeah, we clicked on this Bruce Willis movie the other day. It was complete shit." You know, it looked like they made the movie for half a million dollars and then paid him like a million a day. Right. You know, and and they are not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. Right. And um, so you have to be careful that you don't make those movies that kind of have that VOD stink on them. Um, you want it to be quality. And, um, you know, speaking of Cinestate, you know, it's common knowledge that Bone Tomahawk was made for under $2 million, which is absolutely incredible. And you would never know that from looking at it. Um, I mean, it, it, it has a big cinematic feel to it. Um, so that's uh, an example of, of smart movie making. Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, I, I, I've always been blown away by this from the first time I talked to Dallas Sonnier, who produced it. Uh, you know, when he told me the, the budget number on that, I kind of, I, I probably almost didn't even believe him because mm-hmm. it's just so, it's so, it's so good. But I mean, I, I you know, you, I assume at, at that, at that figure, you are not getting, you know, Kurt Russell for his quote. Right. It's you're sending Kurt Russell a script and he is, he's like being like, okay, this is. Yeah. This is a thing I want to do. So the cool thing is that, yes, actors are driving the industry. We need the actors to make these movies um, marketable. Maybe something that is, you know, you're, you're not sure how marketable it is, like a Western. Uh, once you get the, the, the right cast in it, all of a sudden it becomes marketable. So it is driven by the actors. The cool part about that is actors are artists. So actors are going to be uh, uh, attracted to better material than than you know, a suit than mm-hmm. a studio head. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the fact that they're driving the industry and um, they're making enough money doing their, their Marvel movies and their shows that if something really special like Bone Tomahawk comes along, uh, they will take a pay cut. In my experience, you know, I, I've gotten actors for way below their quote because they just responded to the material and it's a called a no quote deal. So you can't tell other people, you know, right. no one, no one knows they made that. Um but they're doing it because for the art, right? That I mean, that is, I it's, I, I don't think people, you know, appreciate. Uh, I don't want to say the sacrifice is being made, but there, there is a, there is an actual like monetary, you know, uh, 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 ding that some of these folks are taking to make good stuff, um, yeah. which is, which is. Uh, again, not always entirely appreciated. So you, uh, you, you have directed a couple of movies. Yes. 
Um, when you were directing those movies, I, I I actually didn't examine your IMDb page before uh, before doing this, but I, I was I was curious. It, it, did you actually do the casting on those movies, or did you hire a casting director yes. to cast the movies that you directed? So the first film I directed with my partner Nick Chakwin, it's called uh, No Way to Live, and we raised all the money ourselves. Uh, uh, we went out and just kind of piecemealed that movie together. Um, the whole thing was $150,000 all in. Uh, but we hired a casting director. That was one of the first things we did. Um, and, uh, after we finished that movie, I just got along with the casting director so well, his name is Matt LaSalle and we just really hit it off. And I think he was really impressed with my knowledge of film and in particular actors, everyone that he would pitch to us. I'm like, Oh yeah, I know that person from this, this and that. And he was like, Whoa, you know, yeah. um, you could do my job. And so basically he, he, um, he asked me once we wrapped the film, if I wanted to be his assistant. And then from there I went to his, uh, I became his associate. And then I worked under a couple of other casting directors, but, um, I was given a lot of responsibility and I kind of just at a certain point, I, I mean, I can do this. I know I can do this. And because I have so many friends in the industry, in all different capacities, writers, producers, directors, I just reached out to everyone and said, hey, look, I'm casting now. I'm starting my own company. If you uh, are making a movie, come to me. And uh, because I have this knowledge of financing, of uh, directing, of writing, everything, I can, I can duplicate these, uh, you know, these filmmakers and what they want and what they, uh, I'm always on the same page. So I, mm -hmm. I, I started to really, you know, build my relationships. Um, but my second film, to answer your question, Hospitality, yes, I cast that. And uh, I'm doing a third film now that I'm in pre-production on that I'm also casting. Um, and it just makes sense because, um, you know, it's, it's uh, well, I'll, I'll do it for a discounted rate if it's my movie. <laughs> you sure. know, sure. Um, so, so there's that. But also, you know, I'm a director, so I, am, I do have a bit of a, a control freak in me, and, and I, like, mm -hmm. I like doing it. Well, so it's funny. I as I was looking at the the page for Hospitality, which is your second movie, right? Yeah. Uh, the the stars in that the 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 the, the actors uh, credit page. You, two names jump out at me right away: Emmanuel Shikri from yeah. uh, who people mostly know from Entourage, I would assume. Yep. Uh, and Jim Beaver from I believe Deadwood, right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I like I see that and I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? I want I I I would watch this movie. I would I would totally watch this movie. Cool. Um, which is like I I mean I, I it speaks to the power of like not necessarily huge names but recognizable names. Yeah, that was that you know because I made that movie. So that movie was uh, also an ultra low budget. Ultra low at that time the tier was two fifty and below. So it was below mm. that. Um, and uh, we didn't have, I couldn't use that model that I was just speaking about where, where you know, where um, we're, we're saying, okay, we're going to uh, spend, uh, you know, half a million or a million dollars on a star. Um, so I was under the impression that I would just make this movie uh, through... Um, you know, breakout performances or unknowns. And I really, I went out, I put out a breakdown. So what that is, is uh, all the agents will submit their talent and um, you hold auditions, you know, and, I, and I, I was in that mode of discovery. Next thing I know, I get a, a call from uh, Paradigm saying that Emmanuel read the script and she loved it and she wants to meet with us. Um, and that was just so... Uh, fortuitous and amazing because I didn't think we would have that level of visibility on our movie. Um, mm. And um, I guess she must have told her agents, Hey, I'm looking for something a little grittier. I'm looking for something character driven. 
show me those scripts when they come in, and they did. So it was a real no-brainer for me. Uh, I've been a fan of hers. I loved Entourage, um, and I thought she didn't she didn't have this kind of role in her resume. So it just kind of it was really interesting to me. Um, and then once I attached her, other actors wanted to come and play. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how we got these great, you know, Sam Trammell and Jim Beaver and J.R. Bourne. Yeah. They all went, oh, Emmanuel's doing it? Sure. Um, and everyone, you know, worked for basically nothing because because they loved the project, which I just feel, you know, very flattered by that. I mean, that's 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 great. And it, it is, you know, there there's that element of like the the when the first piece clicks into place, everything else falls in you know not not on its own but it does it it it, casting that first person um you know is is often the biggest step oh absolutely um uh, you know are there any other projects you've worked on where you get that first name and everybody else is like oh wait if he's doing this then i will i will uh sign on as well i'd say more often than not that's the case um i know it was for Stephen lang and vfw Mm-hmm. You know, once we got him, he's an actor that comes from the theater um, mm-hmm. and actors really love those kinds of actors. And, um, you know, it's it was the kind of script that you're not going to get right away, because if you don't grow up watching movies uh, like that, sure. <laughs> um, you might think it's a little strange. So we really had to find our people that got it. And um, once Stephen Lang came on board everyone kind of looked at it a little with a little more of a uh you know it opened their eyes to okay wait a second i get this it, yeah. you know um this isn't just a um a bloodbath there's actually a heart here sonny someone's doing construction i'm gonna move into it the other room so you don't end up hearing that yeah basically what i try to do because I, I get a lot of genre films i get a lot of horror films and there's still a stigma that's associated with them, especially if you're doing them for a low budget. So uh, what I try to do is really just cast actors, actors, people that are just, you know, uh, going to ground the movie and going to simultaneously elevate the movie um, to, to the point where someone who normally wouldn't watch a movie like VFW goes, hey, maybe I'll check this out. And then maybe they're pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I uh, again, VFW is another good example where you see you see, okay, it looks kind of like a John Carpenter homage thing, and then you see Stephen Lang in it. You're like, well, I know, I know Stephen Lang. He's been very good in Michael Mann movies, and mm-hmm. he's been very good in, uh, you know, and Don't Breathe is great, and et cetera, et cetera. So you're like, okay, I'll check that out. Um, which again, it's it, it it is both. It's kind of that melding of artistry and marketing. It's this is you know the cast is your biggest billboard in a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and a way to um, transcend just the you know the horror sites and things like that, and get you know on the front page of the New York Times, which it was yeah. in a, in a very yeah. positive review. Yeah. What so why okay so you you sometimes sometimes you get that 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 person who's like really into it uh, for for the big role but walk me through the uh, audition and interview process for the other smaller roles because I know I, I mean everybody has kind of this idea of 
what a Hollywood audition looks like. We've all seen it in movies and TV or whatever. Um, but I'm I'm curious from your from your perspective uh, how how that works and how that should work, how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um, as opposed to how you know it is kind of portrayed or thought to work. Yeah, I think I. I do it a little differently. I have a style that's a, that's a little atypical and I think actors appreciate it because um, I'm off book. That's number one. I never have the paper, the sides in my hand. When actors come in and they see that, they always make a comment, oh, you're off book. Um, but really, it's, it's, it's me going, I'm going to lock in here. We're going to do the scene. I'm going to give you something so you can work with it because we're putting our best foot forward. If I'm monotone, if I'm looking down at the paper and I'm reading like that, you know, um, that casting director in uh, uh, True Romance, you know, sure. if I'm doing sure. that, like, it's not good for anyone. It's not good for the actor. The producers and the director are not going to see what they want to see. So I'm doing the scene. I'm, I'm the, the partner, scene partner for that moment. Um, and I, since I'm a director, I know how to direct. I know how to make those adjustments. I know how to do it in a way that's not going to introvert the actor. Now, a lot of times... Um, I've been in the room as an assistant and, you know, I've seen when actors kind of start to feel self-conscious because you say, no, 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 don't do it like that. That's too angry. You know, um, try it more like this. And now they're thinking about that thing they did wrong and, mm -hmm. it, and it messes them up moving forward. Um, so what I try to do is, well, I try to direct them with the way I'm reading it. So if I want it to be a little more intense, I'll read it a little more intensely and they can pick up on that energy and actually just you know, deliver that same energy. If I need to call a cut and start to give some, some adjustments, I do it in a way that's always going to be positive. More this, more that, never less. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, um, it's almost like positive reinforcement. You know, that was great. That was great. Let's try it like, like a little more like this now. And, and, and it's like, we're working together. You know, we're going, we're moving forward. We're not thinking about what was wrong in the last one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so an act, I mean, look, auditions tend to be with younger people. Like, you know, if you're older, I mean, some, sometimes for like day players, I'll audition um, older people, but usually it's like, okay, who doesn't have experience? It's, it's the younger actors there. They need to audition because they don't have that long IMDb page. Mm -hmm. um, and it's nerve wracking, you know? And right now, um, you know, I'm doing a lot of self-tapes right now because of COVID. And I can, I, you can see the difference. The actors, you know, um, the, the nerves aren't there. And they get to control everything, the lighting, all that stuff. Who knows if this is the 20th take I'm seeing. Now, that's either good or bad, depending on, you know, they can get on set and you want to know. So I do, I, I miss being in the room with them. Mm -hmm. but, um, but I like to put myself in their shoes because it's tough. It's really tough. I don't know if I'd be able to do it. I'm a little nervous on this podcast right now. Like, imagine <laughs> if I were in a waiting room, you know, and I'm auditioning for a director that I know and he's in the room or the producers are in the room. I mean, it's really tough. Yeah. So, so I yeah. like to also kind of, you know, space out. I say, I say, look, you have all the time in the world. Don't worry about the people outside. Let's just do it until we get it right and put them at ease as, as much as possible.
You mentioned, you know, casting during COVID, which I'm sure is incredibly weird because everything is incredibly weird now for everyone. Uh, you know, it's just we're we're we live in such a strange time. Um, but I but I am curious to get a little more about that. Just like what the what the actual. Um, I mean, what is what is the process like? Is it is are are you just talking to agents and having them send the script to their their people and then they read it and then they send it? Like, are people putting on elaborate, uh, you know, auditions for you? Do you get the people who are who have like somebody working the camera there with them to kind of you know get it get it right and set up the lights right and everything? I'm I'm like I'm actually really kind of curious to know what what actors how actors are auditioning for things right now. Actors are so clever; they're so good at self tapes. I've had actors send me self tapes where the where the reader is themselves. They record themselves saying the other lines, and they put mm-hmm. enough pause in there to say their to do their own line. It's really clever. Um, so you don't even necessarily need a partner. Um, but yeah, I, kind of the the TikTok audition. You've got like the the, the you know the, the cuts back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I've had I've seen it all. I mean, they get really clever. Um, I like simple. You know, I don't need a big thing. I don't need it to be lit cinematically. I just want it to be on a you know white or blue background. Uh, as long as they're shooting, um, you know, in widescreen format and not vertically, then that's fine. <laughs> that's fine for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm getting a lot of self tapes. Um, I'm. You know, agents are now being more responsive because movies are going. It got a little tough for a while. The communication definitely slowed down. Um, There's this weird kind of moving target with dates, with start dates right now, which in a way kind of works to the filmmaker's advantage because we have a little more time to prep. If you need to push, it's not a big deal. You're not necessarily going to lose the actor or or, or piss off the agents. There's really no such Mm -hmm. thing as a pay or play right now because it's like, what am I, I can't put money in escrow. Like you don't even know what's going on. It's a pandemic. Right. Um, Right. So, um, you know, as anxious as I am to kind of get started and like, I have a movie that was supposed to, I was supposed to direct. We were going to shoot in August. So it would have been done by now. And uh, we had we had to move it to January, and even that's kind of this moving target. Yeah. Um, but as anxious as I am to start, I do want to use this as a silver lining and be like, all right, look, normally, once once it's go time, you have six weeks, and, and that's it. If I can use this to my advantage to kind of like, you know, storyboard every scene and do all these things, then let's, you know, let, let's do that. Yeah. Do you, I mean, a with production as kind of stalled out as it as it has been and looking to get started again uh do you think that we are uh you know headed for shooting starting in the states in california or texas or new york or wherever in the next month or two here i mean i like i know i know things are still pretty in flux but uh it does it does kind of seem like you know, uh, everything is, is starting to move again. You know, it's interesting. I think that, uh, at different budget levels, I mean, if you're really small, you can go under the radar and you can do it. Or if you're very contained, I have a movie that's two people in a house that's Mm going to go. It's just two actors in the house. And, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's no reason why you don't even need to get like COVID insurance for that really. Um, I think what's really interesting and what, what may interest you is is that I think uh, the content, like the stories, are going to change. Um, mm-hmm. I think everyone's now they're buying scripts that are um, that are minimal characters contained things that you can shoot, you know, 
safely during this time. And um, it's almost like, you know, I noticed when uh, streaming became a big thing, uh, the, the whole, oh, here's the first act, we're going to settle into the location and get to know our characters, that went out the window. Now first acts were like action-packed because you needed to grab them, or, you know, otherwise they could stop and go, I picked the wrong thing and go back to Netflix. Um, so this is similar. I think that we're going to start to see a lot of claustrophobic films. I think we're going to mm-hmm. see, you know, maybe movies that um, resemble plays a little more focus on dialogue, focus on just a bunch of characters, you know, in a house. Um, Because my movie that I'm directing is an ensemble and they're all young. And Mm -hmm. similar to car insurance, if they're young, uh, it's harder to get COVID insurance because they think everyone's going to be really irresponsible. (laughs) Well, you know, looking at the colleges, it's, you know, that's, that's not, uh, that's not totally out of line. I does does that does that change what you're looking for in an actor then when you're casting kind of this uh, a, a a smaller, more contained sort of movie as opposed to a you know big action packed sort of thing? Is there a level of physicality uh, that that kind of matters, or is it just you know best actor for the part? I think it's the best actor for the part. I mean, in a way, I could see you know I could I could see you saying. They need to be even more uh, uh, of a movie star because that's all you have to look at is them. And it's not, there are no special effects and everything like that. So you want someone to really hold down the screen and have that, that big space that movie stars have. Um, but you also need that in the action movies. You know, Mission Impossible wouldn't be Mission Impossible without someone like Tom Cruise. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you know, what I always look for is, is star quality and authenticity. Uh, mm-hmm. Would this person be this character? Do I believe it? Are they really like you know? Um, are they really getting into that? Are they embodying that that character? And you know, you don't want to you want to be able to not take your eyes off them. They have that that inexplicable star quality. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I what what do you think? What do you think as a as a casting director, as a filmmaker? What do you think that people need to know and to understand uh, if they are interested in both the artistry and the business of of filmmaking? Right? Like, what is what is one thing that we haven't talked about here that you would say? All right, here's a thing that you movie fan need need to know. Well, you know, I just did a movie called Run Hide Fight, uh, which uh, is playing at Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really huge for for this movie to be playing at the Venice Film Festival, you know, arguably the most prestigious festival along with Cannes. Um, I don't think anyone even really, like, dreamed of that happening. Uh, there was a long time where this movie was not going to be a movie because the subject matter, it's about a school shooting. And everyone was scared of it. Um but it was a really strong script and the director was really passionate and it was the movie that he was dying to, to tell. So a lot of agents didn't want to give it to their clients. Uh, they were scared of it. They were scared maybe that their client would drop them. I mean, who knows? They, were, they just didn't want to go near it. And mm-hmm. um, it was very hard. This, this was one of those movies where, you know, we didn't want it to go under the radar. Um, the whole point was for it to not be Elephant. Even though Elephant is a cool movie and it's very mm-hmm. artistic, only people that went to Sundance and are, were in film school saw that movie. 
We wanted sure. we wanted this movie to be yeah. a, a wide demographic, <clears throat> a four quadrant movie actually, and I needed that name in it. That was a challenge. That was a real challenge, and um, I ended up I got Thomas Jane to be in the film, and that was when the movie was greenlighted. Uh, and the point of this story, I, I guess, is if you know, I I really want to uh, have a niche in helping either up-and-coming filmmakers or or people who have that project that everyone told them could never be a movie. I want to get those movies made. Um, I want to shepherd those projects. Even if there's no financing, I want to see if maybe I can, you know, get their ducks in a row and introduce them to financiers and introduce them to distributors. And the distributors maybe say, okay, well, you know, if Here's a, I show them a list of hypothetical people that could be in it, and they go, well, if you get any one of these people, yeah, sure, we'd make this movie. And then I go out and I do that. Um, because there's nothing more rewarding than that, um, mm-hmm. than, than getting a passion project off the ground against all odds. Um, so I'm going to Venice. I'm going to go see this movie there. Uh, and it's a real celebration. It's really something that I'm proud of. Um, because there was, there was it, it took me two years you know, to get, to get it going, um, with Dallas. Mm-hmm. And there were many times in the, in, during that time where we just weren't sure it was ever going to happen. So how did you get, uh, Thomas Jane to agree to the movie? Did you just send it to his agent and then it, they, he, he was like, sure, I'll do this. Yeah. I sent him a formal offer through his agent and Thomas Jane is, uh, you know, he's a real artist and he's someone who doesn't, um, he didn't shy away from the strong subject matter. He thought it was important and he thought it was well-written and he wanted to do it. Uh, so it's about finding the people that have the same sensibilities. It's about finding the, you know, the, the people that, cause that's all, this is film is so collaborative and you need to only work with those people. It, it, the, I think when you see a bad movie on screen, most likely it started off as a pretty cool movie. You just threw all these cooks in the kitchen that all were making a different movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what, why we're watching this mess. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So uh, casting is should be like, you know, I mean, it's like dating. You know, you're introducing the director to all these different actors and it's whoever they hit it off with. It's whoever sees the same vision that they have. Um, and you just don't know who that's going to be because you don't know these people. You don't know. And you don't know what kind of headspace they're in. Maybe they just came off something you know, a Marvel movie that they had a terrible time on or whatever, and they want to do something yeah. fun and they and down and dirty and, you know, low budget and passionate. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, David. Uh, I, I hope people learned a lot about what it, what it means to actually cast a movie, uh, which is, again, a thing that we, we see usually as a joke, maybe in a, in a, in a movie about Hollywood, right? <laughs> but it's, it's like them. It's, it's very much the most integral part of, of the actual picture, getting the getting the right people on screen to uh, bring bring the words to life. Um, so I hope everybody learned something. If you have any questions uh, for David, you can always ping me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Sunny Bunch, um, and I will be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. Mm-hmm.